Brad and Jeff shouldn't have a podcast. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any Welcome foe. to Brad and Jeff shouldn't have a podcast. I'm Brad Behigian. And I'm Jeff Andres. Absurd, moronic, and downright ridiculous. Jeff, who's sponsoring this week? This is sponsored by Jalen's Cafe. Jalen's Cafe is the newest and best cafe around. Located in the Prime Gas Station at 414 West Grove Street in Middleborough, uh, Jalen's offers a selection of homemade specials served daily, both, both hot and cold, um, from their hand-tossed pizzas to their um, sub, sub options. Give them a call today at 774-213-5153. Thank you, Jeff. On to... Asian news, China is drafting a law to fine restaurant diners who can't finish their meals. If this isn't the most like Chinese thing I've ever heard, I'm really not sure what is. This is, it's geared to try and discourage people from ordering too much food, but in true commie fashion i have a feeling this is probably going to be extremely abused the thing that to me that i can't really make sense of jeff is the fact that like people bring food home so it's not really a waste if you bring food home to eat it this just uh, i really you know like i can't make sense of this like to actually punish people for ordering food and like spending money what do you have to say about this? So it's, I don't even know what to say. I find it funny that, you know, the article we were reading, it says China has waged a war on food waste, like not, not drugs or like poverty. It's like, nope, we're going to, we're going to wage a war on food waste. Um, the, reading this, you know, do they have takeout there? Is there, is there, is that not an option? Cause it says that Chinese restaurants estimated 17 to 18, they, they lost eight, 17 to 18 million tons of food. Um, over waste so I don't do they not have carry out there I, I don't know but is it really a, wasted though if somebody paid for it like, I, I, th- I understand it's not good right to throw away food but you're you're in a commie country already yeah you're, pay, you're paying for it so you are the people that produce the food are being paid like is it how does the how is that actually a problem for the government I guess do they now have is there a a shortage because it doesn't really mention necessarily a shortage in particular. It's more geared specifically towards the word of waste. Right. I mean, it says here that it, so the food that was wasted could feed 30 to 50 million people for an entire year. So I don't know if there's like a food shortage, like you just said going on or like a big poverty problem going on and like they need this food. I mean, I don't feel like why don't they China's, just, you know, why don't they just encourage people to take their leftovers home? I don't get it. I, it just makes it. I don't think they leftovers exist there. I mean, I could be wrong. It just how this article is read uh, reads because uh, it also says it bans waiters from luring and misleading diners into ordering too much food. So it's it's. I feel like you they can get a hundred and fourteen to an eleven hundred dollar fine. Well, it's ten thousand one one, but for the uh, for the waiters, right? But the for the diner, they don't, they still haven't even come up with a, a plan or anything. It seems like, right. No, but I'm just wondering if it, there's gotta be something, maybe you can't take food on there. Maybe this is something where you have to just eat what's there and which would be absurd. That's insane. Um, 
But that's how this is. This is how this article is reading. Which this is not some low-level program either. This is being pushed by President Xi directly, <laughs> which makes it even more like this is this is coming from the president. So this is like top priority in China right now. Not not the pandemic that they started, or any other you know human rights issues that they're grossly committing over there, but leftover or discarded food is top of mind for the, the president and the Chinese government here. It makes no sense. I, I just, I keep going back. It's like, just get a tick to go box. Like, I mean, unless maybe they don't have, maybe they're having an issue with uh, waste management there and they can't offer that because they just can't add that extra. Stuff. Who knows? But um, yeah, I feel like, you know, your economy, especially during a pandemic, you might want to focus on that before uh, finding someone to go out to eat. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I can't really make sense of this. I mean, I always finish my food, so I would never get fined there. Yeah. You and I don't have to really worry about uh, nope. being fined anytime I've, soon. <laughs> I wonder if that will go to tourists too. I wonder if tourists that go there, like imagine going to, going to China and getting slapped with a fine because you couldn't finish your food. You're getting detained. You go, you know, you try and leave, you go to the airport, you're being held up at the airport because you didn't finish your meal from the night yeah. before. Or you ordered something you had no idea where you, you couldn't eat it. It didn't taste good like that. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, like domesticated animals or, or things yeah. or, or bugs, things, scorpions, things that they're known to, uh, feast on. Imagine like, like capturing, like a detaining a Russian. Oh my God. Putin would have a field day with that. Oh, oh. that would probably, that's, that's how, imagine if world war three started because of <laughs> leftover food. Oh, that'd be so good. That, that would be so 2020. So they right, yeah, we're off. running out of time. We've got a few days. Yeah. Let's see what we can sneak in. <laughs> Back to some U.S. news and to California in particular, a suspect who was uh, barking at police also bit a police dog after a 75 mile an hour police chase. This gentleman's name, Jorge Buceo Perez, was fleeing after drunk driving. But when you read the details, you know, about him barking at officers and then actually biting the police dog. At first I'm like, there's no way this is just somebody that is under the influence of alcohol. So when you like scroll down to the bottom, then you see that uh, he was in possession of methamphetamine, which cleared up the entire story for me. Yep. I'm sure uh, you had a, some interesting words once you saw this article as well. <laughs> Yeah, this was from the beginning of this story to the end. I mean, it started off with him going 10 miles an hour uh, (laughs) in a minivan with his high beams on. So it's like, what's going on there? Uh, It looks like after you said he he reached 75 miles an hour. So he's really pushing the limit of that van. And then he decides to just jump out while it's still moving and take off into these woods, uh, into this this backyard of this person's house. Um, Good on the cop, though. It looks like they just detained him i i feel like if i was a police officer and my dog got bit by a human i feel like a clip's gonna get unloaded i don't think that guy's getting arrested if- yeah i i can't imagine that police are pleased uh the police the canine uh dog's name is blaze who was in pursuit i guess he had jumped a couple fences and then caught up to this gentleman which is then he bit the dog apparently i you know when when you see like stories involving meth like there's like literally nothing that could possibly surprise me at that point. Like instantly when I read this, I'm like, there is no way this is just alcohol. And then strangely enough, it's just buried at the end of the, at the end of the article that they, they found meth. But I mean, 
this just screams methamphetamine user when when you just read the headline oh yeah it's crazy the power of meth i mean you could have assumed like you said like just read the first paragraph or two of this article you're like man it's got to be meth because some of the 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 feats of just like almost superhuman like just jumps out of a car it doesn't matter how fast it's going you just hop out of a car just take off into this neighborhood like people can't do that (laughs) yeah because like to act like so irrationally under alcohol there's no way you'd be able to to flee and like be jumping over fences no so, <laughs> and i can't imagine how many officers it took to get this guy down it's like it, i'm assuming it was in a system if you're oh, hopping, I, like i said if you're hopping out of cars you know you, you're definitely on something i can't imagine how many yeah, officers it, it looked like they had him like pinned to the so i saw another article and there were some fo- some still photos, and it looked like they had a few people on top of him. The best part, you mentioned that when he was going 10 miles an hour, this was on an interstate, by the way. <laughs> yeah, like it's like, wow. Could have ended like, very poorly. Yeah, especially when it ramped up the speed. I mean, I can't believe that guy didn't crash. I mean, I've never yeah. done that myself, but I can't assume when you're on something like that that driving's the easiest. But this guy made it look look easy. Yeah, hopefully uh, Jorge gets the help that he needs and hopefully Blaze is doing okay. Yeah, imagine taking your dog out in this neighborhood and you just see a guy hop out of a minivan. And then bark and then bite the police dog. Yeah, (laughs) we need live PD back. I I need that on video. Oh, that would have been perfect. Yeah. The mayor of Brockton's director of constituent services attended a maskless indoor Christmas party just days after gyms have been shuttered again. This is also after the mayor has said, we need to try and stay home. We should not congregate. And we really need to limit social non-essential gatherings. This gentleman's name is John Messia. He was at a fairly well attended Christmas party with at least five different households present. We only found out about this because his wife was tagged in the photo album on Facebook. Now, also quite amusing is that after this became public, the photo album was changed from a Christmas gathering 2020 to a very small Christmas Christmas gathering 2020. Jeff, as we've been talking about every single week now, another public official is in the news and doesn't care about the set of rules that everyone else has. What are your thoughts? Oh, well, this is, this is a welcome to Brockton moment. I mean, I'm not shocked. I mean, I'm surprised there wasn't another, there wasn't a story, you know, earlier uh, about Brockton, you know, messing up with something. Uh, this guy, I mean, his wife, it seems to be doing a lot of backpedaling. It doesn't seem like he said much. It's just how stupid do you have to be? Like, can't you just, if you're going to have a gathering, you're going to have a gathering. I don't think you should do it, but why don't you like take people's phones? Why don't you make sure, especially if you're a public official, why don't you make sure that there's no phones, no nothing, do whatever you want. You know, if you get COVID, that's on you. Um, but I, I think this dude's an absolute moron, uh, especially this, this mayor is fairly new. I think he's been there, what, six months? Yes, yes just this, this year. Just this this yeah. year. Um, so what a bad look for the new mayor hiring this clown, you know, to be on his cabinet and the dude's just having a, uh covid uh covid christmas so COVID. it's such you know and you mentioned you know why don't they get rid of the cameras or but you know what jeff they don't care there is this is so 
brazen and it's just like a middle finger to everyone it's also i think amusing that he's the director of constituent services which basically is a, a liaison between you the people of brockton and the mayor <laughs> you know it, it's just ridiculous and you know as you mentioned so this the only reason we even know about this is because the wife was tagged in a photo album on facebook as far as I've seen, no major media outlets have even picked this up. This is on TB Daily News, aka Turtle Boy. They have the image, the screenshots of of the photo album. So I don't think the reason I, he hasn't commented is no one has even, I don't think, brought this to his attention. Other than I'm not sure if uh, Turtle Boy had emailed either himself or Mayor Bob Sullivan. That's why no one's even talking about this, and it, it's it's sad because I think all of these people need to be held accountable. It's just, it's disgusting. And we've talked, we keep talking about this. Small businesses are just being ruined, absolutely ruined. And Jim's, you know, being one of them. And none of the, none of the pe people in local government, state government, federal government seem to give a damn. No, I mean, this is just ridiculous. Um, just the whole thing, especially, you know, not to take too many shots at good old Brockton, but they haven't done very well with COVID cases. I mean, it, it looks like no. they're at 75 per 1,000, which is horrible. Like, you're not doing a good job. You're ruining these people's lives, like closing these business, businesses. But you can have people over at your house. Like, this is just another ugly look, you know, for this whole COVID thing. How can this guy even, you know, go to work and talk to the mayor about some of these, you know, changes with in regards to closing businesses down when he's just doing whatever he wants? Um, Right. I feel, it's just it's just a joke. And I feel like money was definitely slid slid over the table saying, you know, please don't talk about this. So Turtle Boy is probably the only one they didn't try to uh, entice not to run the article because I don't understand. If I lived in Brockton, I'd want to know this. This is ridiculous. I'd be pissed. And, you know, add insult to injury. There's the photos. There's people are shoulder to shoulder and even on top, like in on top of each other to take photos, all maskless all people from different households just makes it even worse because like, not only like, listen, I, I'm not against gathering for Christmas. You know, the, the point here is that you work for this administration that is issuing these decisions, this, these, this guidance and blatantly disregarding it. And then on top of it, not only were you gathering, you're literally on top of each other, maskless with numerous households gathered in a confined space. And also to your point as well, you know, people have to contact the mayor's office. I assume a lot of these small businesses would probably have to do business with Mr. Messiah's department being director of constituent services. I would assume he's dealing with the public exclusively. It's such a poor look. And, you know, people need to be start being need to be held accountable because people are, are just losing their livelihood while people in these administrations just continue to not give a damn at all. Yeah, I mean, and these are the people. These are definitely a couple, couple families. But these are the people that you know don't tell their bosses. They go to work. They have COVID. They make it worse. They're the know. super spreaders. Yeah, they're the super spreaders. They won't get in trouble for it. Um, I don't know if I was his mayor. If I was him, so was Mayor Sullivan, I would have fired this guy immediately. He he must know this guy would have been canned and put on blast. Um, oh yeah, they should. I would have painted him. Yeah, down on Main Street in Brockton, just just put him outside for everyone to to heckle and and yell at. Put his address and spray paint over over the top of him. Right. Well, yeah. But yeah, but this guy. I don't know how he like. This is another thing. Who's worse? Is it the guy having the party, Miss John, 
or is it the mayor not doing anything about it? Yeah, good point. Yeah, ultimately it falls on the mayor. Your employees, you know, report to you. Yeah. And ultimately, I, you know, with his indecision on this, ultimately it falls on the mayor. Like, yeah. you know, at the same time, you would have to think too that the mayor would be having conversations with his direct reports about the optics of things because, you know, he's pushing a certain agenda, you know, in your representative of the mayor's office, you would think that bef before all these, the holidays that he would be sitting down with his staff or virtually or whatever, however, they're having city meetings at this point and just letting them know the importance and the optics of this is like, how, how are we going as a, as a government here going to ask our residents to do something and then their public officials are just going to do the opposite. Like you have to be on top of this is like, because in the reason I say this, every business, my, my business, my family's businesses, my friends' businesses, they're all having these conversations. So why isn't the mayor's office having these conversations with their employees? Yeah. Cause like I said, it's another, it's another bad look on, on mayor Saul, but I mean, I wonder if he was just like, Hey, everyone, Go do whatever you want. Have whoever you want over. Just don't get caught. All right. Have a good, have a good holiday. He's just as bad um, because it seems like he's, I mean, if they're, like you said, they're working for him, they're following his lead. Seems like he just said, gave him the green light to hang out with whoever they wanted to and don't get caught except for this clown did. Exactly. We'll keep an eye on these stories because I, I think the public deserves to know what's happening with their government. Definitely. Moving on to some national sports. This segment is sponsored by To Die For Tees, specializing in all of your tie-dye needs. Place your order at todiefortees.com for that perfect gift or just for yourself. The spelling is T-O-D-Y-E-F-O-R-T-E-E-S.com. You can also find them on Facebook, To Die For Tees. All right, Jeff, Padres are making moves, so they've acquired all already Blake Snell and you Darvish for their pitching staff. This is turning into a, a super team real quick. And this is what happens. I think when you've been bad for so many years, they have just have a, a farm system that is just chock full of talent. And it looks like between these two pitchers, they're sending 11 prospects out the door. Not quite sure if they're, you know, some throw-ins on the way back, but they're sending at least 11 guys out for, for these two pitchers. And this is a team to be reckoned with. And I think this instantly probably moves them ahead of the Dodgers as, as the favorite coming out of the National League. Be nice uh, if we got some talent like this around here. But what do you – you like the Padres now, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, the pro, this, is, this is incredible to see. I mean, I really didn't see this coming. I mean, I know they have Machado and Tatis there. Um and you know they needed a little bit more to really get over the, good over the hump, um, but it's surprising because you really never see the Padres do much of anything. I mean, Machado was one thing, you know, uh, but still to do this many things, especially just firing out all these, you know, pitching pro, you know, Snell and Darvish. Uh, this is awesome to see because I'm so sick of the Dodgers being good. Um, I don't really hate the Dodgers or anything. It's just like it's just so old. It's just, you know they're going to go to the World Series. You know, is Kershaw gonna blow it? Like that—that's all it is. Um, so this is great to see, for sure. I'm I'm happy that they didn't let off the gas either. So they had brought over Mike Clevenger at the day at the deadline, and now he need you know needed Tommy John surgery, so he's gonna miss the entire year. I'm glad that they're not like taking a year off 
they're just, you know, they've put all their chips forward in just going out and getting, you know, argue, you know, well, Snell, one of the best players in the game. And, you know, Darvish, I think, depending on who you ask, you know, he could be a, a probably a two or a three, which is perfectly fine for, you know, what they need. You know, I, I'm really happy for them. And I think this is going to be a really exciting team to watch now, especially because of how dynamic they are at the plate, as, as you mentioned, and, and now to have a rotation that, you know, matches the, the talent that they have at the plate. This is going to be fun. Yeah, this is great. This this trade, these two trades, such a Dombrowski special. Just clear in the farmhouse. Um, you would think he, had, you would think he was there. I'm like, oh, but he, he's not. Just so everyone knows. But um, yeah, this is great. I mean, you got to do it. You have eleven. What eleven prospects went? I mean, you can't you can't play them all. I mean, I know that's so kind of cliche, but True. you know, you've had years of being terrible, like you said. You've you've done well drafting, so kudos to that. I mean, this wouldn't have worked if you didn't draft well. So that's a good sign and uh, pull the trigger. So it's so um, nice to see too, that someone giving the Dodgers a run for their money. And, you know, Blake Snell is not somebody that is, you know, hasn't seen the dot. He pitched, he absolutely dominated the Dodgers in, you know, game seven of the, the world series. So this is somebody that, you know, they, they had a chance to see in person against, you know, teams that they'll be in regular competition with. So I, I think that, I think if anything, that was probably a big selling point for, for Blake Snell. And even though he, he said that he didn't want to leave Tampa, I, I think that Tampa, you know, can see the writing on the wall they're, they They know that they're not going to be able to, to pay these players. And this is selling high, obviously on, on Blake Snell. So I, I think, you know, I, it's disappointing, obviously, if you're a Rays fan, but at the end of the day, like I, I understand it. And this is the, probably the best haul you're you're ever going to get for Blake Snell if you're the Rays. Yeah, I mean, if you're being a Rays fan, you, you know how it works down there. You know, no one gets paid. You're not going to get that flashy name. It's kind of like being a Red Sox fan up here. You expect them to just empty empty the bank account with everyone. So when it doesn't happen, you're upset. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. I can't imagine being a Rays fan because you know when someone gets too – you know, they get too good and too prominent there. They're probably gone because they can't really – they can't afford anyone. Look at Archer. Archer, you know, was on the uptick. They got rid of – they shipped him out and now Snell. It's, and they were right on on letting Archer go too yeah. because it looked like he already is on the decline now since yeah, he's, he's not there. Too. So I think they got they got everything they could out of Chris Archer, I would say. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then we'll see with the Snell. I mean, you got enough prospects that if even if one hits – yeah, exactly. You have under team control for a couple of years at cheap. That's a win. So absolutely be good to see. And so you mentioned their offensive output, but they weren't done there either, Jeff. They went out and got Korean phenom Ha Song Kim, who is an infielder. This this is wild. Be, you know, and I think you know with their willingness to go and acquire pitching, they obviously were attractive to someone you know like Kim. Because ultimately, you know, there's other markets that can outspend San Diego to pay, you know, both the posting fee and the the contract. It's not much, I mean, for, for a Korean player. But, you know, when you saw, you know, markets like that are going to be interested, obviously, you know, New York, Boston, L.A. are probably obviously going to kick the tires, at least on a player like this. And to see him want to go to San Diego, this is what happens when, you know, you have an attractive place to play. The, the thing that I'm not quite sure about is where he's going to play. So I believe in Korea, he played short and third. 
they obviously have you just mentioned Tatis and Machado. So I don't know if they're, um, you know, banking on a new DH style rule again for this year, but this is, it's my mind's rate explode. They just got, you know, go and got a 25 year old infielder for, you know, fairly short money. Yeah. It's incredible. Four for 25. We, we talked about that on one of our episodes, you know, it wasn't going to be that much. That's why he thought a lot of teams would be involved. It's interesting that he picked, I mean, I don't know how much he knows of major league baseball or follows it. It's just interesting that he picked the Padres. I don't know if that's his agent saying this team's going to load up. Um, I think it says, especially when it, when you have two all-stars at the position that you play. Right. Like, that, so it's, like it's very interesting that <laughs> he went there. Cause you don't even like, when you think of, you know, if you were to be a player, say, would you pick San Diego? I mean, San Diego's kind of, eh, it's, it's nice. I've heard. I've, been, I've only been there once, but it's not like really, you know, you can go play for the Dodgers historic team or, you know, the Yankee. It just, it's interesting that a guy, you know, overseas picked the Padres. It's very, very interesting. Absolutely. I mean, I think it, it, it's a good sign because I think it, it shows you that he's a winner because, you know, because it, it, before, when you look at like some of, you know, that when the Japanese players have a kind of evaluated, it's usually either somewhere where they can come in and be a star or a market where they can, you know, market themselves, you know, for, you know, merchandise, uh, PR, all, all of that. But, you know, yeah, to go to San Diego and also, a team that has two all-stars at the position you played last year. I think it must say something about his desire to win because it just doesn't make sense. Otherwise there's really no other selling point that I can think of why you would choose that. No, I mean, the only thing I can think of, and I don't know, I don't know the Korean demographic there. I don't know if it's high in San Diego area. I, I don't know that information, but that would be something. I mean, it can't be as, as much as Los Angeles, it has a no. you know, K-Town. You but, know? I, but I wonder if that, that team's just so loaded. I mean, even with Machado and Tatis, there's less, you know, big names. That, I mean, now you got Snell and Darvish. But there, overall, there's less big names in San Diego than there is L.A. still. So I wonder if he's just kind of got a piece of the pie there's and al- it's big enough. So There's also another way to look at it is there's no pressure. So True. he's not making an astronomical – you know, this isn't one of the Japanese pitchers that's getting – a hundred million. And so you're coming in at a modest, what do you say? There were $25 million contract spread yep. out over four years. You have two young all-stars playing in front of you. This, I mean, the, the bar is pretty low if you're Kim here, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, it definitely is. Um, which is, you know, good for him, of course, good for the team. It just, it just interesting that it seems like more of the international players these days are just going out to LA. I don't know why they, you know, you got Showtime of Townie over in the angels and you got now him. So it's I, I, now I'm like, I want to look up and see why it seems like they all go California. And I don't know why. Right. As opposed, you know, because previously you would think like, like the Yankees kind of had, had that edge in yeah. years past all West you know, Coast, that now. even dating back, you know, 10, 15 years, but you know, also that had, it's still been effect recently, but yeah, I wonder, you know, I, I wonder if some of these guys, I think they want to be the international guy and, you know, I think that may have something to do with it. Yeah, true. I mean, so I'm thinking like go to Florida, go to Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, I, no one wants to, you know, I get going from, you know, maybe a nice place in Korea to Milwaukee might not be the greatest, but 
I don't know. I feel like you can go to a team where there's no one and just show yourself off, but they seem to all go West Coast, which is interesting. One other interesting piece I, w- I wanted to mention with Kim is that he's a right-hander. So are Tatis and Machado. I, I just, I wonder what their plan is or if the front office and ownership know something be- about what's going to happen. Because I heard some things talking about the DH, like once your starting pitcher was out, you lose the DH. And I, I don't know if they quite have settled on what the decision was. As you know, last year during the COVID season, they, they had, a, the pitchers weren't hitting. So there was a, a DH right. in the national league. And I wonder if the Padres know something more definitive than the rest of us do at, at this juncture. Cause Kim rate, I mean, the dude hit 306, 30 home runs, 109 RBIs, 111 runs scored. And he also seems to run the bases while he had 23 stolen bases. So if it translates, you want him in the lineup. I just, I'm very curious to see how this plays out as to where he ends up in, in the lineup. Yeah. It'll be good to see. And like I said, low money. So they can kind of tinker with it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like there's, there's enough. I think they're looking, this isn't just for this season, obviously with this move, this is over the next, you know, three to four years they're setting yeah. themselves up for, which is also important. I think when you have a young core. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering if it's more of a, you know, with a, with a short money deal, I mean, Machado's not old by any means, but he's old. He's the oldest of the three. You don't know how many years he left. He's got, you know? Yeah. You um, want to Mac. Yeah. It, Cause you know, when you give guys money like that, you're paying on the tail end and you know, you're going to get burnt. Mm-hmm. You know, P- Albert Poole has actually been kind of one of the anomalies with those. He's still been at least to the point where he can be in the lineup, but we've seen in years past where there's guys on the, the tail at the last, maybe two to three years of some of those deals, it's rough. Um, so you're, you're right. You know, when you look at Machado's deal, it is, I think it is that next, you know, three year window as opposed to the, you know, the tail end where you can be broken down and ineffective later in, in those deals. Right. And I think this will give time, you know, get him over here. He's got for, for cheap, like I said, cheap money, get him over here and make him the third guy. So there's not too much pressure, you know, maybe by the time Machado's, you know, on the down tick, he's, you know, next guy up kind of thing. So maybe they're just a whole, maybe they're just kind of planning ahead a little bit with this guy get his feet wet, no expectations and then take over the popularity like of Machado. Who knows? Yeah. I'm, a, I'm totally on board with go Padres where, where they're That's going. Yeah. And good for Don Orsillo. We're happy yeah. for him. Don love you, Don on the CBS broadcast of the Jaguars bears game this past week. Greg Gumbel was calling the Jaguars fans idiots for seemingly just wanting a good quarterback. This basically just shows you why 74-year-old Greg Gumbel has gone from being the number one play-by-play guy at CBS to now calling the Jaguars game. Just completely like a tone-deaf statement. It was just, it came off aggressive and very peculiar, Jeff. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on the way this went down here and what you thought of it. Oh, my thoughts are: what is what does he expect from these people? You know, they're calling them idiots. They want to. They want Trevor Lawrence. They, you know, this team's going nowhere. They, you know, they can't make up any ground. Why? Of course, they're going to cheer for the Bears and they're going to boo for the Jaguars. I mean, me being a Patriots fan, I've wanted them to lose since the Jets. The Jets game. I wanted. Them to just, I want them to tank for a better pick. You know, at this point, nothing matters. You got two weeks left. You know, when this game was going on, there was two weeks left. You know. Yeah, I want my team to lose. You know, I want the Patriots to lose right now too. Like, give yeah. these you know. So, um, I mean, I feel like this shows how good the fan base is because they actually care. 
enough to boo your own team <laughs> or to, you know, cheer the opposing team because they know it's at stake. Not to mention, Jeff, they're there in a pandemic in a very limited ticket market right now. Like there's only a few thousand people in that stadium because of uh, social distancing and capacity restrictions. My, my theory is I'm fine with it. As long as your team's mathematically eliminated from postseason contention, I have zero problem. Like we're not talking about like week two or three, four, five, even it's week 16 and you are going absolutely nowhere. You've started three quarterbacks this year from my, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, what, a Glennon, Glennon, uh, Luton, Luton and, uh, Minshew, Minshew. right. Yep. So they're obviously deficient. You have a former Heisman winner and Trevor Lawrence, you know, being the, the prize here. Uh, this is absolutely ridiculous. And so Rich Gannon is Greg Gumbel's partner. And even he was trying to distance himself immediately from Gumbel's comments here. I just have like, I don't, it, this is, it just screamed like senile old man talk, you know, like just him being angry over this. Like, these are passionate fans that are in the stands that will only want the best for their team. They're not booing the individual player. They're just booing the scenario. And I, I, I don't see how it's that hard to comprehend here. Yeah. And like you said, like, I don't, I don't like the idea of tanking. I don't want you to put players out. that shouldn't be there. Like, you know, you put the best players on the field. If you lose, you lose. Um, but at this point, like, I don't care. You can't get, you can't go like you said, you can't go to the playoffs. You're going home, you know? Um, just do whatever, you know, it's, he's so like, just, he's the idiot. I mean, look, you, I mean, I know you're upset. I mean, you're, you're the Jaguar, you're announcing the Jaguars game. Like you are the lowest of the low. They probably could just get a high, some high school announcer, some high school PA announcer from somewhere in Jacksonville to do your job. Like it's not hard. Um, so just, I mean, it seems like a bitter old man who's just upset his uh, situation. I feel bad for Gannon. Cause I, didn't like Rich Gannon at first, calling games when he first started doing it. But I've I've grown to like him. Um, so I, I hope I wish he had a different partner because I have started to like him a lot, and this is not a good look. So here's my favorite part. So I'm let me I'm gonna read the exact quote because it, it, it sounds even worse when I read this out loud because of the context of it. So this is verbatim from Greg Gumble. Oh, and I get that. But to get all over a player for going out and doing his best, it's like those are idiots who have never played a competitive sport at any level because they don't understand, end quote. So he went all hardo saying, you've never played before? Like, listen, Greg, you played D3 baseball in Iowa. That doesn't count. You don't yeah. get to judge people. Yeah. Like, what What an idiot. He's just so toned after the whole thing. Like, like you said, he's not booing the player. He's not saying, oh, Minshew, I hate you. They're just like, you know, they do something good. Maybe they, they don't, they want this first pick. It's very tongue in cheek. Like at yeah. the end of the day, these people are there like supporting the team during a pandemic. Like, come yeah. on. I'm sure the players get it. <laughs> you, have a, you have a generational quarterback at stake. I mean, the Jets just served Trevor Lawrence on a platter for you. And they decided, hey, we're going to beat the Rams. We're going to, we're going to beat the Rams today. So it's like, just. It just sounds so tone deaf. He and like you said, D three baseball. Like who are you? 
Anyone can play three Some college, I had to Google the college because I'd never heard of it. It's Loras, L-O-R-A-S college. And I oh, have no idea what it is. Gotta love it. I played, I played college ball oh, from D3. Yeah, anyone can do that. Like Kenny Powers here on, on play by play. <laughs> like not to make fun of anyone that's played D3 sports. I'm not saying it, but I'm just saying like, it's not like, not like you were going pro. Well, my, <laughs> my favorite saying, Jeff, do you know how to get the division three All-American off your porch? How? You pay him for the pizza. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, good luck to the Jaguars. They they have won the uh, Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes as the Jets just keep out jetting themselves. So congratulations to the Jaguars. I, I hope this, you know, gets them on their rebuilding phase. And we'll see what happens. Good luck to Greg Gumble as well. And yeah, just good smile luck, more, bud. This might be it for Greg. This yeah, is, might be, be it for a season for him. <laughs> should be. Some sad news, Jeff, and there was a statement made by Jonathan Taves. The the Blackhawks captain is out indefinitely due to illness. And there's a lot of, this is, it's very mysterious. And I'll, I'll read some of the statement here until I can get my health back to a place where I feel I can perform at an elite level and help my team. I will not be joining the Blackhawks for training camp. I do not have a timetable for when I will rejoin the team. I'm extremely disappointed, but it wouldn't be fair to myself or my teammates to attempt to play in my current condition. And it looks like he's trying to better understand his condition with his doctors. He does not speak to any specifics. My mind instantly goes to a bad place. And I I wish the best for Jonathan Taves because I really enjoy him as a player. He's always been a consummate professional. He's broken the hearts of many Bruins fans as as well. But, you you know, you and I talked about, and I never want to go to a bad place, but when I hear of like something, a very vague illness that's preventing a prime athlete from playing, you know, I instantly go to like a bad place, like, you know, ALS, uh, MS, you know, different types of degenerative disorders or uh, genetic disorders. And, you know, I, I really hope that he's able to come back, you know, Obviously, I want him to be healthy, but you have, you hate to see a player go out like this. You know, we talked about Johnny Boychuk, you know, not being able to continue because of an eye injury. It's, you know, it's going to be one of the most heartbreaking things for an athlete to, you know, have to leave because of like a, an, an injury or an illness and just not be able to go out on your own terms. What do you think about this news? So it's definitely very sad news. Um just because it's so vague. I mean, ho- like we've talked about this previous hockey injuries are always so vague, just like upper body, lower. Like, so I didn't expect to get much. I go to a less dark place. I mean, I, I mean, I guess it is a still a dark place. I wonder if it's some sort of like depression type thing. Like, cause he said, if he just, he says like get his head right or, or something in, in that, I, I wonder if it's something like that. Like, you know, he's played 13 years. He's taken some shots this year. Hasn't been, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete making millions of dollars. This year has been hard for everyone. You know, you're prolonged isolation, you know, so it doesn't matter how much money you make. I hate when people say that it's just, you sound stupid. Um, I also think, I know this is a complication that he have COVID at some point and that he's having complications to that, you know, cause that can be lung heart, you know, so there's a couple things there. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the mental health part, Jeff, because my, I didn't think of that originally. And I know, you know, recently a lot more players have been forthcoming with that, you know, uh, Hayden Hurst, Dak Prescott, you know, a lot of them have talked about their battles with depression and other mental illnesses. And, you know, I, I certainly, uh, you know, I respect 
Jonathan's privacy here. And, you know, it's none of our business ultimately, but um, I think it's, I'm glad you mentioned that because this could encompass, you know, a varying degree of, of things here. And we really, really, you know, when someone says illness, we, you know, we really don't know what it is. So, you know, I, I you know, maybe when he has a better idea, maybe he'll be uh, forthcoming and maybe want to educate the public on, on that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's really not our business. I, I just, I'd like to see him back on the ice again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I hope he does. I mean, I hope he takes the time away uh, to kind of figure out what he has to figure out. Uh, don't come back too soon, especially if it's something mental, well, mentally that's going on. Um, because, I mean, in just overall, you know, Joe's, you know, mental illness this year has skyrocketed in this country. You can only assume other countries. Sure. So you add, you know, 13 probably more for him years of just a physical sport that you know brings on cte and there just can be so many things um amplifying this because if he's having depression based on just everyone having it because you know life you know sucks for everyone right now you know this isolation thing and then you don't know what's going on the back end so i wish the best if if this is the last time we saw him it's been a pleasure um i wouldn't want to see him go out there kind of being iffy if it's something mentally um so sure and yeah and you want to make sure that these guys have the best quality of life after playing and you mentioned cte and it's still something i don't think that's talked about nearly enough you know about this physical trauma that ultimately leads to you know brain damage is you know what it is and i uh i hope that that's not the case for a someone at 32 years old, but you know, we've seen it in even people in their twenties, you know, with Aaron Hernandez and, and some other people that they basically have a brain of a, someone in their late 70s, you know, or someone more than twice their age, you know, their brain age effectively. So right. I, you know, I don't want to jump to any of these like worst case scenarios. I just wish the best for Jonathan Taves. Yeah, me too. Of course. On to local sports, which is brought to you by Truki supermarkets. Trukies has you covered for all of your New Year grocery needs. Be sure to check out their specials and hours at trukies.com. They have locations in Abington, Middleborough, New Bedford, West Bridgewater, and two locations in Taunton. Trukies Supermarkets, your hometown store. We will start with some Bruins. It seems like they're just missing out on everyone, left and right. They're tied, though, to defenseman Ben Hutton, who is a free agent, this news or rumor, however you want to, whatever you want to call it, seems like it's closely tied to Zidane Chara's decision or the Bruins decision on whether to bring him back because it's not exactly a, a pretty signing, but it could be a necessary one given the fact that if Big Z did not return you know, I know this is not like what we're looking for here, but, you know, it's a 27-year-old that, you know, seems like he can at least give you some minutes. What do you think about this, Jeff? Oh, so the Bruins, I mean, I don't really know much about Hutton. I just feel like he's another John Moore, um, you know, another just guy, um, which is tough. I'm very disappointed in the Bruins right now. Uh, I don't know why they're not – you know, trying at these players. I mean, you got people like Corey Perry for 750,000 going to the Habs. We have, they have the money for that. Why not put a flyer out on him? And then you got Mike Hoffman with a professional tryout with the blues. 
that that's an absolute steal for them because I I'm assuming if Hoffman has, you know, a little bit of what, you know, a little bit left, that, that's, it's a steal. I mean, I don't know how much a PTO contract equates to after they sign in, but it can't be that much. No, um, it's probably, if you are successful, I assume it's a vet, whatever the veteran minimum would be, I presume. Right. And he was looking for like 7 million to start this or something like that, or 5 million or something. It was like five to seven, I believe, uh, <laughs> early in free agency, which there's no way he was going to get, but to go down to that. Um, so I don't know much about Hutton to really speak to him, but it's, I don't, I don't like it. I don't so, like it I, now, but out of necessity, Jeff. So let's say that Chara does not return to the Bruins. The left side does not have much experience. You're, you're stuck with Grizzly, Moore, Lozon, Zaboral, and Vakaninen. You, you don't you are not on board with this or just reluctantly accepting that hey they need they need a body if if char is not back to to fill in there i'd say more re- reluctantly accepting it i mean i know they they are thin i mean i want to see vakanina though i want to see him playing and see how because you know he's supposed to be the future so um you know john moore is kind of just a guy i mean he's never he's a seventh defenseman yeah. yeah um so yeah, I mean, we're lucky. we need someone. So I would say yes, but I I really just rather have Chara. You know, I never thought I'd say that just based on Chara's age and speed, but this guy's not going to move the needle. They say he's not, you know, he's not a dynamic scorer. He's not going to shut down. So he's just another guy. So it's why are we filling bodies with just other guys? We might as well just. I know, get it, and I think guys. you know they're going to rely a lot on Grizzly this year, obviously with uh, Krug's departure. Right. I'd like to see something from Vakaninen. I'm somewhat excited <laughs> to see if, if he can be something. Zaboral was part of that, like three first rounder draft. So I think like, this is his, if, if this is his last chance, I would say at this juncture, oh, yeah. you know, being that he's been in the system, you know, for a few years now, this is probably his last opportunity to, you know, make an NHL impact. One thing though, I will say, you mentioned about, he really doesn't have any traits that jump off the board, you know, the Hutton that is, there were some interesting stats and I know you can manipulate stats, especially in hockey, you know, how you want, but he played for the Kings who were pretty bad, but his, his numbers are interesting. So the Kings had a plus 241 edge in shot attempts and a plus 122 advantage in shots on net when Hutton was on the ice during five on play five play. So I, I it's good because I think at least it seems like at the very least he's someone that can maybe keep the puck in the zone, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, this is, this is you're picking through what's left at this juncture because you're up against the cap. There's not many players left. The season's starting in three weeks or less. Three weeks, yeah. So, yeah, these are the type of players that you have left at your disposal. Which is true. It's, it's just tough because it's like, you don't want to blame Chara, but at the same time, it's kind of like Chara. Why didn't you make this decision? So we could. I mean, there wasn't very many people out there. Don't get. I mean, it's why. I, I yeah, know like that. is he trying it's, to squeeze pennies at the, out of the Bruins? Like, what are you waiting for? You're either in or you're out. Pull the trigger, man. Like, I just it, it's kind of aggravating at this point because now we're. I mean, like you, that was a good stat you had for Hutton, so that makes me feel a little better. But it's like we're in this situation because you're non-committal. Because if you have Chara, you know you got Chara. What Chara Grizzly? Zaboral or you have enough. Yeah. If you have char, you have enough other of bodies at least that you probably don't have to look at, at somebody like hot. Right. So it's just like, 
that's kind of aggravating. Or maybe, you know, this was their plan all along. They were looking at Hutton this whole time, and Chara knew that. So maybe he knew the Bruins like, hey, we have a backup plan if you don't feel like it. So maybe they just didn't put enough his feet to the fire. So who knows? But I guess we'll see how it goes. I think it's definitely going to be one or the other because I, I think you have to at least leave, leave some cap space because I, I think you have to explore some in-season moves, trade deadline moves, you know, stuff like that. And they've usually been at least interested at the deadline, especially when they've been, well, when they've been good, they've been interested in acquiring. And unfortunately when they've very less frequently been bad, they're, you know, you'd be looking to offload people as well. So I, I can't imagine they wouldn't be interested at the deadline one way or the other, but if you are interested in adding, you got to at least have some cap space. So to me, it's definitely one or the other for one of either, you know, Char or Hutton. Yeah. So, yeah, I just rather have. Oh, just please get, please, Char, come back. We can't be taking this. And yeah, I want one more. <laughs> I want to see how much the contract is, too. This Hutton guy. I can't imagine he'd be a a top earner here, especially if they're talking to him. Because you and I have already talked about the salary cap. As of a couple of weeks ago, they had under three million dollars left. So I can't imagine, especially his, we've seen his cap contract was one point five, one his for one. Cap- cap hit last year yeah yeah so i guess you know we'll see what he gets you know he didn't only had what how many points in the teens so 16 i think yeah I, so I can't imagine we'll break the bank but moving forward we do have some more clarity regarding the schedule so i just all the more reason i think to maybe you know finalize your roster here we have the dates and we have a schedule for this season we talked a little bit about this before, before there was some concrete information, but we, we do have 56 games instead of the normal 82. The, the regular season for the rest of the league will start the 13th, but the Bruins first game will be Thursday, January 14th at the New Jersey devils. Their first home game, however, won't be until a week later. They'll play Thursday, the 21st at the garden hosting the Philadelphia flyers. And We've talked a lot about this season, especially because of the new uh, alignment for the divisions. And now that we have some clarity and kind of see how things shake out, um, we've also seen some pretty much what every other team has done in free agency. We've also seen some injuries shake out and, you know, how that's going to, how that is going to go. But, you know, when I look at the, you know, the division layout that they now have, the, the new East division, the Bruins are right in the mix here. You know, like obviously the Capitals have always given you a tough time, but like there's no excuse for the Bruins to be in that in that top three throughout the entire season. Now, one thing I don't know is ultimately how the playoff structure is going to go. I need to do some more research on that. So I don't think just being I don't know, but I don't think the just being the third best team in this division is going to do it, which means that you got to be in that, that number two spot. And so you're going to be up against, you know, you have Buffalo, New Jersey, the Islanders, the Rangers flyers and the penguins but you know as far as as far as i'm concerned there's no excuse why they shouldn't be in the mix here what do you think they definitely should be in the mix i mean you got some teams that could kind of get hot late and you know like you know see the flyers of years past the penguins i mean but you know top two three this whole time uh there, there is no excuse the only thing that worries me is with uh the Pasternak and marshad injuries how long is that going to delay everything because that could that could be big um and with a shortened season that you know 
there's no time to go on these classic Bruins slumps during the middle of the year and just rip, ripping off huge losing streaks. Like you got to be very consistent essentially the whole time. Um, Cause you'll just get left in the dust. Cause there's some good teams. I mean, they are definitely top three best teams in, in this new division, but you have some up and coming teams that could be taking a leap. So like, like the Sabres. So, so I assume, I assume it'll be two from each division and then some wild card teams like, you know, in years past with their whole, the whole structure in the NHL in general was just realigned recently anyway. So yeah. now we're doing this again, but I assume it will be probably be like the new format anyway, where it's right at the top, top two. Yeah. And then some wild card teams as well. The schedule is going to be pretty tough. And you and I have talked about this as well in regards to, you know, Zdeno Chara, the way this is going to, is going to work is so they have 25 sets of two consecutive games against the same team. And they have eight back-to-backs. They also have um, the longest road trips will be four games, which will happen three times in the year. The eight back-to-backs I think is also, is what's going to be tricky I think to accommodate for a lot of these older players, you know, hockey traditionally has, you know, some more older players than, than other sports, especially for a context where you don't see that many late thirties, 40 year olds in football. So I'm curious to see how that shakes out the eight back to backs, because I think you're going to have a lot of roster movement. Another thing you and I talked about is how they're going to expand rosters because it, there's definitely going to be an impact for, for COVID again, because again, we're just starting here in a couple of weeks. So right. you're going to have to be resting people left and right. You're going to have to have expanded rosters. Uh, I'm curious to see how that shakes out as well, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried for, especially as this team gets older. Yeah, this is going to be tough because there's a couple of people on this list who are definitely going to have to take breaks. I mean, you got Bergeron, you know, crazy, who knows what, you know, even Marshad coming off that sports hernia, is he going to be able to do back-to-back coming, you know, right off the rip? I mean, that's the hip injury. He'll probably yeah. be down. Pasternak, who knows? Like, he, Pasternak's young enough he could bounce back, but but who knows? Um, so it'll be interesting. That's going to hurt the Celtics the most. It's the age and, and the scheduling. Um, that's what I said. They have to, they have to come up, off on fire. Um, none of these losing streaks, so. You're going to see a lot of Halak, I assume, as well. And and even for other teams, you're going to see a lot of backup goaltenders, especially on the, all these back-to-backs. You're probably going to see more than than you're, usu- than you're used to seeing. Yeah. So you're going to backup have to goalies are going to be – I mean, they're always essential, especially when it comes to end of year, you're trying to rest guys. Um, but they're going to be more crucial to probably than ever because of scheduling. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm very curious to see, you know, what happens here. I think it, it should be an interesting year and we'll have some more information hopefully soon. Um, let's, let's do a little Celtics, Jeff. So we're not off to a great start. The bench scoring is clearly a problem. However, Isaiah Thomas says that he could definitely help with that. I, for one, would welcome a reunion. I also think might get some heat off of Danny Ainge's back because he's not seen very well around the league after the way Isaiah Thomas's de- departure was handled, especially with him playing on that bad hip after, you know, his sister's passing and then the way he kind of was shipped out the door like that. So I don't really see a downside <laughs> with him coming here. I can't imagine the money um, would be terrible because uh, obviously, you know, Isaiah knows that they have 
you know, not too much money to spend right now anyway. In that, well, at least in that regard, I don't think a trade exception would matter with, you know, signing a free agent, but I'm, I'm for it. Um, you want to see him back? Of course I want to see him back. I mean, I felt bad for how it ended here. He was so clutch, you know, especially after his sister's passing and the hip thing to kind of get shipped out the door. We talked about this, you know, we need someone. We were talking about Tristan Thompson saying maybe they'll get the West coast connection here or just free agents in general. Cause it's such a player's league. They all talk. They're all friends. Like Isaiah Thomas is, you know, well, well plugged in. So it's just like, I don't see why not. He can still score. Maybe he can help out getting free agents here. So he seems to be in a good mindset too. You know, I understand why he was, he was obviously bitter at the time, but he's had a lot of positive things to say about the Celtics in the last you know year or two, it seems. So yeah. I, the thing too, with they obviously need help, but there really isn't much available. The other two players that have been talked about that are, nutcases uh you have jr smith and and deon waiters jr smith's obviously been around a while you know he's strictly a scorer and deon waiters who i think is an excellent talent but just cannot get out of his own way i think and i don't think those are the type of players you want to bring in to a young team like the celtics i just would steer completely clear of players like that that's why i think i i think isaiah thomas is a good kid and i i think that ultimately i he can fit in nicely. So, I mean, he's already played for Brad Stevens. So like, right. I, I just think it's pretty low maintenance as far as what's available and you know, what he can give you. He, um, he said that, I guess he had another procedure and was like feeling as best as he has again, you know, obviously he wants to kind of talk himself up, but uh, he, he didn't play that, that poorly in Washington last year. He was averaging over 12 points a game in only like, 23 minutes. So I think it's definitely something can, give you some spark energy off the bench that they desperately need. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I don't understand why Brad Stevens just doesn't say, Ainge, get this done. Because, I mean, I know it's a small sample size. I understand that. But they can't score. Their bench scoring is, is terrible. And it's not going to get any better. I mean, um, so, Danny, if you listen to this podcast, please do it. <laughs> please. We'll see. Hopefully um, they can, they can get better in that area. Cause it, that's, a, that's a big need right now. Hopefully they exercised options on team options on three players the other day, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, and Romeo Langford. So these were team options that they have exercised, which gives a little, just a little bit more clarity to the salary cap outlook for next season essentially so after that after next basically it just leaves players you know jeff teague who you brought in just for the season and then daniel tice shemi ojale and then javante green those would be your unrestricted free agents then after after next season so it's good you know to, i think to get this out of the way because then you can kind of you know see what what you need i'm not the at the same time this is not groundbreaking or earth shattering news, you know, by any means, Robert Williams, though, I will say did look a little better uh, the other night, but I, I still want to see more from obviously Grant Williams is starting to play more minutes finally. Um, but I, I just still, on a lot of these young players, I, I just, there's, I have no feeling for how, if any of them are going to be 
<laughs> players in this league for very long. What do you think? Yeah, so I mean, this wasn't earth-shattering news. I wasn't like really excited. Well, so I was excited about Graham Williams. I think he's I don't think he's going to be any superstar. He's just going to be kind of a guy, you know, a reliable guy in the league. Um, but he is playing more minutes. He looks good. Um, so that was good. Robert Williams the other day, uh, the first Pacers game was he was just running, running back and forth. He looked inc- if he played like that all the time, I would feel a lot better. But he, he, you know, he has the potential. But that game, it was just phenomenal. That steal at the end of the game, he just um, very efficient from the field, also on offense. Yeah, six of seven, I think. A block he had it's two, but he had I think he had two or three steals. The only one I was kind of like eh. four, four steals. Jeff. Oh, he had that last one. <laughs> they dished it to Marcus Smart, right? Yeah. Marcus Smart did that goofy layup. I was like, dude, just slam that in, buddy. But anyways, um, the only one I was kind of meh about was Romeo Langford. Like well, we haven't seen him. Yeah, so I'm just like, I don't know. Like, you want to put three point eight million dollars to a guy who can't get on the court? I get. I know. I guess I wonder. Like, is does Danny see something there that you know he's that optimistic about? I don't know when he's coming back either. I'm not sure what the timetable is. I don't trust Danny as far as I can throw him when it comes to personnel decisions. So that was the only one where I was kind of like, yeah, I could, I, if he would have not picked it up, I wouldn't have shed a tear. So he, um, he's, so his injury, I believe is a wrist, right? But I think the optimistic part about him, he's only 21 years old. And I think that, that they need help on the wing, especially from the bench. So I think that's why obviously they're willing to make that move. And, you know, and don't forget in the NBA, like, you can always keep your own players. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you're not going to let somebody walk until you've had a chance to fully, you know, evaluate them. So yeah, I, I think in, in that regard, like you're in a big market, you know, they have no problem spending into the luxury tax. So I, <laughs> let's, let's see what Langford brings once he comes back. It's going to be okay. at least another, it could be, I mean, it, they think they're expecting him back next month, but so we'll see. We'll see. Just, what didn't he come out of college with that wrist injury? Wasn't the I same don't know. wrist? Yeah, that's a good question, Jeff. I'm not sure if this is a recurring injury or not. That's troubling if it is indeed <laughs> a shooter with a bum wrist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. A car with three tires. <laughs> this was a guy though that was heavily recruited. Like he was the number one shooting guard in his class going, you know, going into Indiana. So this is somebody that, you know, has the, at least the pedigree to, you know, be able to play, but yeah, I, I, I want to see him on the court. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that's for sure. But it would hopefully sooner rather than later. So we'll see. As we keep the Celtics train going here, the, the Pacers game overall was not great. So the, the Brooklyn game is a throwaway. So, you know, what at Brooklyn's a better team as far as I'm concerned, you know, you have, you have two, you know, all world players. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. The Pacers game, I have a problem with. Now the Pacers are good. They're three and oh. So in, when we talk about the Pacers game, we're talking about the first Pacers game because Jeff and I are recording right now during the second Pacers game as we speak. And as, as we speak, the Celtics are up seven now, 107, 100 with about four and a half minutes left in the game. So hopefully they hang on. But to evaluate this first Pacers game where they lost by one, 108, 107, they're, they're obviously uh, I'm very displeased because I feel like they should win this game. However, there were some improvements that we just touched upon. So Robert Williams being one of them, Jalen Brown looked good. 
I still have questions about Tatum and I'm just hoping it's something like, okay, it's early in the season. He's going to work this out of his system. My biggest problem with that game, Jeff, is the way that they continue to draw up these last plays because like, it's almost like I, (laughs) I'm pretty sure myself, other fans, and probably the Pacers knew that they were going to drop some awful step back uh, off balance, Jason Tatum three pointer. Like, I don't understand why when, especially when other teams play heavy ISO ball in the NBA now, like why aren't you driving to the hoop? Like, I, I don't understand these like low percentage call play calls. What, what did you think about this game, Jeff? I, so that play, I, I screamed at the TV. I was screaming. So I'm like, don't you shoot it. Don't you shoot it. Don't and, do it. Don't and I saw, I saw it. I'm like, he's doing it. I'm like, this isn't going. In. And then he's a stupid lean. He's like leaning. Like he's like doing like a hamstring stretch. I'm like, dude, you you're, are not, you're not Kobe. Yeah. yeah. Get out of here. So that one was like, who drew that? What, what moron needs to be fired for that one? Cause like you said, especially cause he's a budding superstar. We've talked that he's not a superstar, but he, he's starting to get a little bit of the treatment drive to the hole. You'll probably get a foul at least, you know, or if not, you'll get a good, good shot up. It was or, just, yeah. Or dish it. Yeah. Because someone's going to be open. Like another player that I didn't mention who I've been pleasantly surprised with is Peyton Pritchard. The guy's nails. Like I'm, they've seemed to find something here. And this is a guy that played, you know, four years of college. So like he's, he's prepared, but five of five from the field, three of three, from three-point land, you know, 13 points, a plus nine in his 23 minutes. Like, I, if, if Tatum is going to draw, you know, a lot of attention, there's going to be someone else open. And I just don't understand taking, like, a low-percentage shot like this. I don't get it. No, it was garbage. But we've seen um, this, like, before. Like, this isn't new. We, like, we saw this last year, too. We knew it. They didn't even they, – they just kind of stood there and made sure their guy – like. Pacers are like, all right, you're still here. I know you're not moving, so I'm just gonna just gonna hang out for a minute. Um, Pritchard, I was very so I love Pritchard. Just hearing the stories, like he had like that dislocated finger, and they like had to basically drag him out of the building to go ahead and get it looked at. He like refused pit, to leave practice. Pit bull, like <laughs> yeah, he, he looks he looks on the court. He was super confident on that Pacers game. You could tell he he the, the moment wasn't too big for him. Um, so I loved his play. Um, Robert Williams. I love to see Williams. Um, you know who I didn't like, and this probably isn't fair to him because he didn't play. But where's this elite shooter, the best shooter in the NBA draft, just riding the bench, doesn't even get into the game. So it's like Aaron Neesmith is inexplicably absent from these games, and I don't, I don't really know why, especially when they can use shooting. So I don't know if, you know, this is him coming off that, it, you know, he was injured. So yeah, true. this could be him getting in conditioning because, you know, I, I don't want to throw a guy that's getting back into game shape. I'm not, I don't want to just throw him out there. I hope that that's, you know, what it's really related to because, but he's not, cause he's not playing it. He didn't play at all in this game. No, uh, it, you know, this is a tough market. Like Pritchard, everyone sees Pritchard. They hear the stories like, this is the market where people turn on you fast. So if he keeps riding the bench, I don't know if he's playing tonight while we're, um, you know, recording this, but I mean, if he's not playing, he's, I don't know what's going on. 
Well, and it, which is interesting too, Jack. Has not entered the game. Two oh, minutes, 24 seconds left. He has not entered. And Peyton Pritchard has 20, 26 minutes, 10 points, four for seven from the field. So the dude's lining it up. Still. I love Pritchard. Keep, well, keep playing him. I, I, one thing is interesting though, you, you know, again, to mention Neesmith, I know they don't play the same position, but uh, Jeff Teague was building a, a house of bricks in that in that game for the over over six. Now listen, I'm Jeff Teague has played had played well previous to that, and you know his role is obviously not to go out there and, and light it up on offense anyway. But you would think when you see someone struggling like that in over twenty minutes, that came and land a shot. And I understand he did well at the free throw line, but I, I don't understand why you aren't seeing Neesmith at all. And no, it's I, very, very. I don't very know. Cool. You know, I don't know what. I haven't seen enough uh, tape of Neesmith to see what type of shooter is he is. So, I don't know if he, is he like a big jump shooter where he like needs his legs. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that that's all it is, and we're just trying to get Neesmith in game shape because it's. Early. I hope because you know the only difference from this game is uh, Javante Green's gotten 21 minutes. 21 minutes for for Javante Green. Ojale has not played tonight either, which is interesting. It's interesting, but it's just like you can't beat Jeff- – like, he's a, he's a good guy. Like, there's nothing against him. But are you telling me that you can't get some of those minutes? Like, what's, what's going on? Hopefully we have something better to talk about next week. Uh, after this game, they're still up by a, at least a couple possessions with two minutes left. So oh. we shall see, Jeff. We shall see. We shall see, indeed. On to the Red Sox. Not too much going on. It seems like everyone else is making some acquisitions, but the Red Sox aren't. The best we have for you right now is to tell you the Red Sox are allegedly pursuing free agent utility man Kike Hernandez, who has spent the last six seasons with the Dodgers. So, Jeff, we talked about this a little before. You made a good analogy. This is like a Brock Holt, except less talented, like if that <laughs> is possible, at least offensively. It seems like he's perfectly fine uh, with his glove. But uh, this, again, this is just more information that just does not get me interested in the Red Sox whatsoever. Are you stoked, no. Jeff? You, you, you ready? You ready for Kike Hernandez? Get get the duck boats ready. Kike's <laughs> coming to town. The, the title's coming back home. But um, no, all seriousness, uh, seriousness. I, I don't like who cares. Okay. Like we have plenty of players that we don't know. We don't have a role for. You can throw anybody into a utility role. I just don't know. Like if this is what we're reporting on, like Red Sox are just doing nothing. I mean, if this was a good off season, Kiki Hernandez would have signed weeks ago and you'd, you would have no idea till spring training. You'd just see him at spring training. Like, oh, we signed him. But like, this is big ticket news. Like this is, that's bad. That's this is, bad. this is like, our, this is bloom ball at, at its finest. So <sighs> Kike Hernandez, for people who don't know, plays literally every position. I'm not joking. He has played every position in major league baseball, except for catcher. He's even pitched for a, fraction of an inning but he regularly can play you know infield and the outfield I assume they want him to play second base or you know be a defense replacement second base also be a jack of all trades but like you know this isn't Ben Zobrist like this is someone I would put below Brock Holt in the utility category I just I'm not 
really that excited. <laughs> yeah, me either. I, I don't know. I, I think Brock Holt's available. Just get him back. I'd take him. I, I think I've, this is something, you know, maybe this isn't, this could be a Cora thing. So I believe Hernandez played for the Puerto Rican national team mm-hmm. when Alex Cora was the manager. So th- there, there is a connection between Hernandez and Cora. I don't know if that's something to read into, but I mean, the, yeah. there you go. But like, Pass. He, what do you get? Like two thirty last year, Jeff? Like, yeah. it's just you're not going to get any. Like, I would have rather had like Zhu Wei Lin still be here. Yeah. The, like, <laughs> I would just like I said, bring back Brock Holt. He knows the area. He's played here. He knows what it's expected. Dude's got a, a killer mustache these days. Andy pitched for, pitch for the Nationals next year, last year. So if you need a late inning guy when you can blow in, your doors blown off flat next year, you don't need Kiki. You can just use Brock Holt. So, um, yeah, unless Brock Holt signed and I'm not aware. Again, you, these utility guys that get signed, you don't know because it doesn't matter. So the fact that Kiki's even in the, in the news just shows you. I'm just assuming Brock Holt's a free agent. I have actually no clue. Yeah, I can't imagine it'd be that difficult. Um you know, to acquire him or even somebody that's a marginal Im- improvement here. But yeah, this is what's moving the needle these days, I guess. Uh, I, I guess his only upside is still 29 years old. So he's mm-hmm. not ancient. And Brock holds a free agent. I guess he's relatively healthy. So mm. we'll see. I, you know, I, it is what it is. Hopefully we have maybe better news on our next episode about maybe a better player that they're interested in, perhaps a pitcher. We can only hope. Well, we do have good news about a pitcher. This guy's this guy's nails. What are you talking about? Well, all right. Good segue, Jeff. So the Red Sox signed a pitcher. Matt Andres, I believe that's how his name is pronounced, mm-hmm. um, signed a one-year deal for $2.1 million. He, I believe, was brought in to, at least my understanding, is to be a back-end starter, back-end-of-the-rotation starter. However, I believe he did both last year. Uh, for the angels he had a i think he only had one start and 15 relief appearances era was serviceable at 4.5 but it it looks like they're interested in you know bolstering the back end of the rotation i don't hate it for i mean it's 2.1 million dollars and quite frankly it might even be a better option out of the bullpen considering the bullpen is absolute trash here right now mm-hmm. um, it looks like the, it's a heavy incentive contract here as well um it says the options include an escalator up to a million dollars for innings and two hundred fifty thousand dollars each for 120 130 140 150 so he's not going to get any of that if he's out of the bullpen so no andres obviously is going to want to start i can't imagine he'd be happy being thrown to the bullpen because there's significant earnings here based on on his uh innings mm. Uh, I mean, do we get excited over a fourth or fifth starter, Jeff? I don't... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is – I feel so much better. Kiki Hernandez and this guy, uh, the, we're good. You just go into go, go into spring training with these these absolute studs. Um, oh, we claimed a catcher off waivers too, though, Jeff. Ooh, so. nice. Another catcher. Nice. That's <laughs> what we need too. Nice. Um, so this guy, I mean, he played for the, the Rays for four years, it looks like, or part of four years. Looks like he split 2018 uh, between Arizona and, and the Rays. So this is obviously a high and bloom guy. Um, looks like he's a career four four five ERA. So right on with what he was right on last year. year. 
um i don't know this is whatever like i guess stardom i don't care i don't know i'm so unamused by this i don't care what you do with them put them at pitcher put them at catcher i don't care what you do with them because this is just this isn't news i don't care i, I just say, though, you know i you know for the nerds out there though his whip actually wasn't bad last year at all so no. although he had a 4.5 era his, his whip was one even which actually is not bad at all so you know, sometimes pitching is obviously a little bit more than, than ERA, obviously. So especially in his case, because, you know, I, he was primarily in the bullpen, but maybe he's motivated, but I mean, he has to be right. So you came out of the bullpen mostly last year. You only had one start last year and you're coming to Boston and they gave you a heavy incentive laden contract based on innings. So the guy has to be jazzed up, like ready to go, at least from that perspective. He has to. I mean, because he needs to be the fifth starter to get these escalators. I mean, there's not really anybody in front of him to take that fifth spot. I mean, you can throw anybody in there. There's but... a, yeah, there's a free-for-all in the, for those you know, yeah. back-end spots right now. So I don't know what uh, training camp's looking like for them. Like, I don't know if it's going to be as, as long as it usually is. We have no but... idea still when the season's even starting. Right. So as long as he comes out of the gate strong, he could definitely get that fourth, uh, fourth or fifth spot. So. Again, we just sit and wait on the <laughs> on the Red Sox and certainly with this team. We'll see what happens. Let's do some Patriots. Uh, this is depressing. It gets, worse every, it gets worse and worse each week. Um, let's just talk about the Bills game that happened on Monday night. They got the doors blown off. So the final was thirty eight to nine Buffalo. And quite frankly, it could have been worse. You know, Buffalo had some drop touchdowns and uh, they just got ga- the Patriots got gashed. Uh, Josh Allen was very efficient, threw for 320 yards and four touchdowns. Patriots just were not could not do anything on offense really at all. They didn't really do anything on defense either. I know it's at this point it's just you, you run out of things to say. But uh, what are your thoughts on this game, Jeff? So it was pitiful. Um, this is like, uh, we'll see this in a couple of days, but this was like Alabama playing uh, Notre Dame. It's, it was just a slaughter. It was two teams that shouldn't be on the field together. It was a joke. You could have started Matt Barkley, and Matt Barkley would have hung 300 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Matt Barkley did play in this game, actually. But you could have started him, and they'd <laughs> yes. still, they still would have blown the doors off the Patriots. Matt Barkley only threw two passes and had better uh, performance than Stidham and Newton. So oh, It just <laughs> – the thing that gets me just so aggravated with this team is like, I know you're, you have nothing. You're trash. Like Cam Newton, it looks like he's throwing a medicine ball, but just like make me believe that you're trying or you're like, you're just like the Jaguars. Now you're just like, your teams just steamroll you. And it's like, it's so hard to watch. Uh, I was aggravated the whole game. I'm just like a sucker for paying that. I watched till that clock was four zeros, but, um, Cam Newton throw from 34 yards in almost three quarters. Like that's like, it's like army army Navy stuff. Yeah. It's Stidham only <laughs> threw for 10 more. So yeah, as yeah. you said, Newton threw for 34, Stidham threw for 44. It was just not good. I mean, they didn't, again, though, no interceptions. Yay. Cool. But Yay. Um, I guess a couple of bright spots, the running game did look good. I'm not sure why they didn't go with this more, especially before this score got out of hand, because you know, especially the first quarter, you know, they did Buffalo scored three touchdowns in the second quarter, but you know, it was 
there was a decent amount of game before they got their doors blown off. So mm-hmm. uh, Sony Michelle, I'll tell you what, is it's doing himself some favors because he again looked good this week as the primary back. 10 carries for 69. It's a great average. Uh, and I yep. thought he looked as good as he has in a long time. Yeah, he's um, running hard. J.J. Taylor also looked good. I, I like him a lot. Um, I said to my friend the other day, kind of looks like like Dion Lewis and Ben Jarvis Green Ellis had an offspring. He's <laughs> a very interesting uh, little player, but I've, en- I've enjoyed watching him. So, you know, it is what it is, but I guess we have to take away something. The running game is good. But I just don't know, you know, what you're going to do because there's just so many other – basically, the only thing that's working right now on offense is the running game. Yeah. Everything else – and not, not – obviously, that means that you have to throw the ball, but, like, they're just so deficient, I think, at both quarterback, wide receiver, tight end. And quite honestly, I don't really know how good the pass blocking is. Like, I can't tell because Cam Newton holds on to the ball for so long and like always, I feel like he's just getting blown up because he's not because he has pretty much no awareness anymore. So yeah. I can't even properly like tell you. Like obviously, the offensive line is excellent at run blocking. It's probably one of the best units in the league, if not the best. Yeah, but I, I, it's hard, especially these newer guys. Like I, we know Tooney is a good pass blocker, but you know I, it's hard to tell. You know, when Isaiah Wynn can't get on the field, so I really don't know there either. But I, I would also like to see what the new quarterback hopefully fingers crossed next year is is going to be getting into but i mean they're only they completed nine balls jeff how do you lose that bad and you only had nine completions not to mention hold on you only had 21 attempts but you also didn't you also rushed the ball less than the other team also like they're not even like i I feel like like effectively like operating (laughs) no it's they're let's just say it for what it is they're garbage i mean this is hard for me to say, but I, I bring it in the terms that people do, like fantasy sports. Fantasy sports for my entire life. I never started a player against the Patriots. Just stayed away. I stayed away from it. This year, I played the Rams defense. I played Ahmed. Yesterday, I played the Bills defense and Zach Moss. Won me the championship because Moss got me just enough points because it's just like they're just a pincushion team. It's, it doesn't matter. They're inept on offense. Defense is suspect. It just – this year was – I knew it was going to be different. I knew it was probably not going to be good. Well, I said 11, at five, 11 and 5 at first, but then as the season went on, I knew it wasn't going to be good. But they look so bad that I'm not even really too excited for next year. I'm more like, am I going to watch the same thing again? Um, so it's going to be – they got to spend a lot of money this offseason and have a good draft because uh, I'm, I am nervous about next year. Like a bad – it's a fun stat. So Josh Allen had four passing touchdowns at Gillette Stadium. Cam Newton has two passing touchdowns at Gillette Stadium this year. <laughs> How is he the quarterback? Still? I don't know. It's it, this is a this is a joke. It, also, it's... I I think the defense has been getting a pass lately, and they shouldn't because this game because we've been talking about we've been focused on the offense too much, and the defense has been serviceable for. But this is not a good performance at all. First of all, the the mistakes are now a problem. Like I like if you're just not good enough, you're not good enough. But like the mist- like the Adam Butler like can't even stay on side. Like that's a joke. But then, you know, JC J- Jackson got undressed by Stefan Diggs in this game. Diggs had 9 catches for 145 yards and 3 touchdowns. And 
everybody's up in arms about JC Jackson, not going to the pro bowl not being on the pro bowl ballot in Gilmore's absence where Jackson has been thrown into the, the number one corner spot, he's getting abused and it's not good. He's given up, I believe four touchdowns in the four games that he's been the number one corner. Whereas, you know, Gilmore has given up less than that in like 37 games or something. It's some stat like high thirties. So again, I, I, not to beat down JC Jackson. I like JC Jackson. Uh, It's just, there's a, there's a problem here and this is not, it's not just the offense to worry about. Cause first of all, you don't even know who's coming back next year either on defense. Everybody, you can use the COVID excuse like Hightower, Chung, you know, whatever. But I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty on defense also next year. Yeah. I mean, it's not looking good. Did you actually hear any of Bill's press conference after that game yesterday? No, I couldn't bear to listen to it. I, I heard so some I of the interview to- on, on EEI and, uh, to, I think it was today or yesterday, and I think it was today when he was with uh, Gary Tangway and Christian Fourier, and it was like a, a dental visit. Could you see where you said it wasn't Cam's fault yesterday? I did hear that part. Yes, which what like the excuse train is way out of hand. Like basically saying like that Cam wasn't even benched like for performance. It was like because like like almost like the game was out of hand again. Yeah, like, ha- like, like it had been. <laughs> like Bill, is this is this methed out mini minivan guy from the first? Is he your dealer? Like, what kind of drugs are you on that you think Cam Newton's not the problem? Like, how's that meth, meth coming from Sacramento? Because don't you don't have to say anything, you know? If you want to avoid this, you know, and you just love Cam Newton, he's great. But to say something so stupid, the quarterback throws like he's playing JV football. Don't tell me like that that pass to, to Bird. It was a beautiful throw. Demari Bird, Bird should have caught that and him right in the face. I'll give him oh that. yeah, and that's like when that and that's like when when things go bad. Like as the saying goes, when it rains, it pours. Of course, it's like all this year he's been awful. Like I said throwing a medicine ball. He can't. He he doesn't understand like blitzing coming. He's he's so slow to react. He doesn't know. It, he's just not a good quarterback anymore. Or he can't figure out the playbook. I don't know, but it's. To, to say that after that game, I'm like, dude, you are on something. Oh, meanwhile, the other quarterback threw to ten different ten different people yeah. caught a football from Josh Allen, it's <laughs> and you you had you know how many people caught the ball for the Patriots? Other other than James White, you had three. So Myers had four catches. James White had three, and then Bird had one catch, and Nikhil Harry had one catch for three yards. Ossie got targeted a couple of times and it was, he ain't catching anything. So no, it just like, I hate the whole excuse. Like, yes. Does he have garbage receivers? Yes. I get it, but he's not even getting them the ball. So don't give me, it doesn't matter if he had, if he was in Tampa Bay's offense, he's still throwing it into the ground. So don't give me this. Oh, he doesn't have weapons. He can't throw the ball. Yeah. Like like, it would be better. better. Like, so it'd be better, but like they're six and they would be 500. Yeah. At least. So, it's, it's a tough one because yeah, like if they had, if they had weapons, they would be at least 500, maybe nine and seven that we, that's nine and seven that a lot of us thought they would be, but you still would be making the playoffs. Yeah. So at the but end it's of the just day, like, does it matter? Like no. your goal is to get to the playoffs first and foremost. So yeah, just don't, don't blend those receivers when this guy's got a lot of deficiency, but. Well, Jeff, I don't have any good news for you because <laughs> Mike Florio, 
from Pro Football Talk slash NBC Sports, who is very well connected, mm-hmm. said he suggested that Cam Newton could very well return to the Patriots next season. And Chris Sims, who I despise, but is his co-host, also agreed with him. But Chris Sims does have somewhat insight because he did spend a year on the staff here. But you know, Florio, I I understand. Like, this is not just picked out of nowhere. I don't think. Like, I I have a feeling that there there is some sort of inside information here. This isn't just I think a pure evaluation as to like the way things have transpired. Although that does I think come into play especially with what you talked about the way that bill has defended cam and just the language around it. But I have a feeling that they very well could be interested in having him again. And I don't even know what to say about it. So like if, if cam was all the clipboard, I guess I don't care. I just would be surprised if cam was coming back here specifically or specifically knowing that he would not be the starter for at all or for long, like, what do you what do you kind of make of this, and what do you think would have to happen maybe for Cam to be here, and then like in what role? Uh, so first, I want to say Chris Sims has no validity. Dude's a tool. Don't believe anything he says. But <laughs> when it comes to Cam Newton, I said this earlier, uh, right as he started to do started to be, perform poorly in the season, and I said I, I if if COVID's still interrupting training camps and stuff, I would see Cam Newton come back because at least he has a year in the playbook. Why throw another? Why throw a bridge guy, and maybe get the same results? You know, the Patriots' offense is complex. I think I talked. I think this was episode two we had. So I said I could see him coming back if, if COVID kind of wipes out a preseason and, and most of training camp. I don't like it <laughs> even more now from when we talked about it then to now. Like, um, so what I want them to do, which I know they're not going to, but. If they're going to keep Cam, keep Cam, but you need to draft a quarterback. You need to have the guy lined up like a Fitzpatrick to a thing. And when it gets real, you know, bad, or even if it starts to go, well, you pull the plug by week eight, new guy steps in. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this Stidham Hoyer Newton carousel because I'm just going to throw up all over myself. Well, yeah, um, so I, we'll see. I think if, unless they trade for someone that's like legit. I think people are going to be out with like pitchforks if they don't draft some, if they don't draft some, like there's no excuse to not draft unless, unless you somehow are trading for quarterback under 30 years old, there's no way you cannot like yeah. not draft someone. Here's the interesting part though. The only quarterback on the roster that's under contract next season is Jarrett Stidham. Uh, from what we've seen by Brian Hoyer, I can't imagine he'll be back here next year. I think it's, it's over. Like if you want to keep him, just make him like assistant quarterbacks coach or at this point, you know, like there's an opening, you know, so I, I just don't see it. So, and being that Stidham knows the offense and is under contract on a rookie contract, I can't imagine why Stidham is not here. Now I feel like you need a couple got a couple players at this point. I said to someone earlier, I said, I, I feel like you need to bring in someone and you need to draft someone. So the way I see it right now, at least personally, is I would be fine with Stidham, you know, carrying three again next year, Stidham being the only carryover, and then trading for someone and drafting someone, and that, and then see how things kind of shake out in that regard. And then when I say trade for someone, that could be any, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't have the 
free agents in front of me, but I don't like, I don't know if Jameis Winston's under contract again next year for the saints, but like, I might be interested. Like I'm interested in trading for like Matt Stafford. Uh, I'd be interested in maybe trading for Teddy Bridgewater possibly. Cause I, they can't cut him. I believe he has too much of a dead cap. Um, Matt Ryan, you know, I'm interested in, I'm interested in some, you know, maybe former pro bowl quarterbacks, but I have to have a quarterback in the first two rounds. Yeah. And there's plenty. Yeah. So no matter what, I mean, there's plenty of, there's plenty of talent out there. So I want a quarterback no matter what. I don't care if we get Matt Stafford in here. I still want a quarterback. Um, it just it really, I think it does come back to COVID. I, I don't want this to happen again next year where it's just they're not on the field enough. There's no preseason. I mean, I feel like Stafford is, is capable enough to just kind of throw him a playbook and just like, he, he still has it. I mean, Cam Newton was on the, was sliding before his injury. I, I just don't think he sees that. I think the game's passed him by a little bit. Um, I talked about Stafford and I don't remember if it was on a podcast or on our live broadcast, but my th- my position was like, I'd be interested in giving up a second round draft pick for Matt Stafford and then signing Kenny Galladay as a free agent and, you know, putting them together here as a start of your foundation for next year on offense. Yeah. I wanted Fitz magic and you got really upset. I think that was live. Cause I, I just someone like asked a- the question. I was like, Fitz Matt, I was like, it's Fitz magic time. I just feel like it's a big ask for him because at least he's typically surrounded by some competent wide receivers. This would be the poorest group I would say. And he's played for some bad teams, but this would, if he, if he came in like right now, like this, I think that's way too much to ask. And I don't think there's any difference. You might even lose, you might even lose more games just because he's prone. He is prone to interceptions as well. So I, I, I don't, I think you need something a little bit more. And I, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe that's, uh, you know, Alex Smith, like, is just like a, just a slight tier, you know, above, but regardless, like I need, I need two wide receivers and a tight end to start like minimum, no matter what quarterback you bring in here. Like, I feel like that's absolutely mandatory that you need to at least two wide receivers and a tight end in here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they let him go. I know he has injury history, but Hunter Henry and Bill Belichick were buddy, buddy after that game, hugging on each other. I I would take a flyer on him, but they oh, definitely I think, need. I think he'll be in demand. I don't think I don't know how good the tight end uh, classes in the uh, free agents this year. We've obviously addressed the wide receiver group in depth on previous episode. Maybe next week we can look into the uh, free agent tight ends because uh, yeah. that's obviously a position that's lacking. And, like I don't even think that they have a number two tight end on this roster currently. Uh, maybe if one. maybe maybe. <laughs> Maybe Matt Lacoste. Well, it, all right. In fairness, I, Matt Lacoste right. is probably a number two if he comes if he comes back. Right. Of the three right now, they're not even twos. No, I don't no. like at, le- at least not right now. No, and so that that's where I have a problem. Like I love Hunter Henry. I just we'll have we'll take a dive into that. But um, <laughs> this will be our last game preview, and you know we don't even need to spend that much time. But you know oh. the Patriots will play Week Seventeen. At home against the New York Jets, it's Sunday at one on CBS, and I'm curious to see who we get the who's going to be on the field, and maybe if even for both teams. So Frank Gore is out for the Jets, and we talked a little bit about that. You know, everybody likes to root for Frank Gore. I like Frank Gore, um, 
kind of sucks if this is the end for him to kind of go out. I think he's is it a shoulder, Jeff. Or? Yeah, it's a shoulder. It's been shoulder. bothering him a couple of weeks now. And pretty much, I think everybody is no one's out for the Patriots at this point. There's a, guys that are banged up. You know, obviously some guys that didn't play um, this past week, but. I want to, uh, for the Patriots, I, I think there's a lot of young defenders I'd like to see get like a lot of time out there. Therese, by the way, we didn't talk about the Therese Hall had a pretty good game. I like the way he plays. He's around the ball. You know, he throws his pads around. So I'd like to see a lot more of him. Um, I like to see Shalik Calhoun, obviously, because he had missed so much time. Uh, hopefully he's active. I don't think Bentley did not play this week. No, um, Bentley was inactive. So, but I don't even know who's on the practice squad or what the implications of activating somebody would be, but I mean, I wouldn't even, if I wouldn't even mind seeing that big stiff that we talked about that the the quarterback was a Del- oh, Jake Delgado. Yeah. So I don't know who they can activate. I would be interested in seeing the, one of the kickers too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what Roar situation is, but uh, we talked about Roberto Aguayo, you know, I, I, I wouldn't hate like experimenting in this game because I bet the Jets are going to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, this game's probably going to be a joke. I like, I'm liking myself some Miles Bryant these last couple of weeks. Seems he's to be playing good. more and more. Yeah. I saw, saw he sticks out. Was he 41 or something? 41. The number sticks out when you see him out there. Yeah. So I want to see more of him. I, I'd like to see Jackson sit. I don't want McCordy to play. Um, I'm not even sure I would play Michelle. No, given like his injury situation in the past, like I would just love to roll out Taylor for like 15 carries. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, honestly, I think the jets are going to probably win this one. I feel like Darnold has something to play for still. Oh, here's the thing though. Bill loves to stick it to the Jets, So they're going to be competitive. And I think both teams will be very competitive. They just may try and work in maybe some more players, but you know, both, both teams want to go hard. And there's some rumors about if Josh McDaniels gets a head coaching job, that Adam Gase could very well be the offensive coordinator here next year. I yes. personally, I don't, I don't get it. I think he needs some time away maybe uh, from football, but um, yeah. maybe Adam Gase is coaching for his next job, which is obviously not going to be a head coach. It's going to be back to being a coordinator. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm excited. I like to see Mims and, and Perryman out there. Um, Mims is some, has Crowder. some potential talent there. I, I obviously was a high draft pick. Uh, I'd be very curious to see some of their skill, younger skilled players from the Jets. Yeah, so I feel like this is going to be another boring game for the Patriots offensively. I, I maybe the Jets winning will be a good thing. I don't know if that really affects our draft pick, um, but I mean, we we need a lot of help too. So I, I saw some of the formula, and I think it was Jeff Howe that posted it. My made my brain explode because <laughs> the Patriots to get like into the single digits. I think the Patriots have to lose, but there's like a list of like eight eight other scenarios, some that are even maybe even more unlikely than the Patriots losing the Jets in this game. So you know, you may get a couple positions, but I, I just I don't know. I would be surprised if the Patriots lost just because I know what it means to build, to beat the jets. Yeah. And then I, I don't think you're going to move too much just because some of the other scenarios are absolutely ridiculous for teams that would have to lose. I mean, 15, it, what it looks like it's going to be 15. I believe it. That's, that's fine. I mean, there's been a couple of mock drafts I've seen from different places, which has us kind of getting players. I like anywhere from anybody from Jones from Alabama to Pitts, the tight end. 
he were to slide down. So yeah, I think you'd have to move up a couple to get Kyle Pitts. I, I that's a generational tight end, I think. And, yeah. So we can talk about that more probably another time. But from that, when you look at the mock draft itself, you you look and you can go to any really mock draft. The top 15 is pretty good. I mean, even if someone, even if you don't, you know, hit out on, you know, the Lances of the world and Wilson's and all those, I mean, you got some serious talent in that top half of that draft. Um, so it's good. It's good to see. I know people don't like it, but potentially too, if you did like a quarterback, you could trade down and stay in the first round, but maybe you just trade down a couple picks and gather up, you know, some extras there potentially yeah. just because as we talked about, there's like, there's like five or six quarterbacks that are probably going to go like in the top 50. Yeah. Or so. Yeah. You got plenty of options. Mm-hmm. So if there's some guy you identify, yeah, that'd be good. Cause I think the more picks the better. That would make me feel better with a Stafford thing. We're going to give up a two. Cause I feel like we really need to reload the farm. Um, so it would make me feel better if we traded down, got some more picks and then use one pick for Stafford. I think losing a pick entirely is even though Bill is terrible at drafting these days, I feel like that's tough too. So kind of going off into a other direction with this, but yeah, I'd like to get some more picks like in the, you know, that third round or so guys that you, can be effective yeah. still. Any more people from Lenore Ryan and, yeah. you know, Benjamin state. That's what I need. <laughs> Bim- oh, Bim- oh yeah. Gunner. Bim- yeah. Bemidji state. Yeah. They're usually known for hockey. I believe. Yeah. I think it's in Minnesota. I think is it? It is Minnesota. Yeah. I think so. Hopefully we have, um, you know, maybe, a, well, we will, we'll have a better understanding obviously of the draft order next, uh, next episode. Yep. Um, but we will have a chat again on Saturday. Yep. So uh, our live sports Saturday will be Saturday, 8 PM on Facebook live be about till nine 30 or so uh, jump in. We love talking to everybody. We encourage participation. So we'll, you know, we'll talk about whatever you want, you know, we have some notes in front of us and things, uh, you know, some interesting topics that we think are, are fun to talk about, but please, you know, bring your questions, bring your comments. We love to hear from everybody. We appreciate everybody's support as well, especially our sponsors, you know, Jalen's cafe to die for and Truki supermarkets, Jeff, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, just thank you everyone. Appreciate you listening. Uh, we look forward to Saturday. Just bring your questions. Have a good one. Thank you, everyone. Take Goodbye. Thank you. From all your worries, sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get?